Hi, and welcome to the Sonji Land Show where everybody's upside down. Every day is upside down day in Sonji Land. Today I have with me Harry Williams. Uh, he's especially a very good hand balance coach as I just had the chance to find out um, in one of your group sessions. I honestly think they are some of the best I've ever been to. Good to hear, good to hear. Yeah. So with that being said, I want to know how you got into hand balancing in the first place because you were a skateboarder? Alright, so let's just start with one of the things that separates me a lot from a lot of the other people teaching hand balancing is five years ago I didn't know that I was going to teach hand balancing and five years ago I had never really tried to handstand. So this is actually a really long story. Like, do, <laughs> yeah, do I, I know, do I we just... actually talked about it yesterday. Yeah. yeah, can you just give us a quick review? Just quick. So, just to put yourself into context. Let's yeah, put it that cool. way. That, that's a better way to put it. So, um, growing up, all I did was skateboard and smoke weed. Um, then uh, I, I traveled a lot through skateboarding. I was living around Europe at the time. Um, through strange coincidences, I ended up in India studying yoga. I had never done a yoga class in my life. Um, found that yoga actually helped with some bits and pieces, loosened up the lumbar, was getting rid of old injuries. Then I came back to Australia after a few years of traveling around after that and uh, got bored of yoga. Heard of my teacher for a few years, who was a Hido Portal. Um, through him, learned about hand balancing. And that is probably the quickest I can put it. <laughs> is there a certain reason why you got hooked to hand balancing? It's the same feeling that I got from skateboarding, which is a hmm. sense of self-satisfaction that is unparalleled by anything else because you prove to yourself that you can achieve the impossible, or what, which was what impossible, hmm. after a certain level of maybe progressions in hand balancing and skateboarding, just years of trying the exact same trick again and again. But coming, getting over that, what you couldn't once do, and making it possible. Um, I, I suppose that's the, the itch that keeps me going. That's a pretty good reason. So, how did your teaching develop then? You have teaching. a lot of students. It's amazing. Yes, there's, there's actually a lot these days, which is really nice. But um, the teaching happened completely organically. Like I, I never consciously said I want, I want to be a hand balancing instructor. I need to teach hand balancing. I was teaching yoga at the time, and after hearing of Ido, I knew instantly after my first weekend with him, I needed, I, I didn't want to teach yoga anymore. It, mm. it bored me from there. Once I realized that you could roll and jump and play and hand balance and all mm. this stuff, I, I didn't want anything to do with yoga after that. Besides, maybe a bit of the internalized practice. But um, as far as the actual hand balancing stuff goes, it just it kind of happened. I, I clicked with it a little bit faster than other people, and then people weren't coming for me for rings or leg development or organic strength or any of these other things. They were coming me, to me for handstands. Mm -hmm. And then because I was teaching quite a number of workshops, again, I, I never really put myself out there to get these mm -hmm. things. People were just asking me because I practiced hand balancing before and after classes, and people would say, oh, I want to learn this. Where, where do we do this? I don't fucking know where you do this, man. I kind of teach myself and pay a guy online to teach me. Like, it just... Yeah. Um, but you are pretty good at teaching now. You are really structured, and I also like how you integrate different components. 
I think that comes a lot from the fact that I haven't been hand balancing for a very long time. Mm-hmm. And I've always looked at stuff from more, more of a, a third point of view, if that makes sense. Um, Do you mean like uh, observing yourself while you're learning it? I suppose that's a better way of putting it. So the way that I teach now, I suppose, is a combination of things that I've learned from different people. Um, one thing that I haven't stopped doing is always learning. If someone comes through the city or if I have to fly to someone, uh, I don't care if they're a better or worse hand balancer than myself. I don't care if they're a worse or a better teacher than myself. There's always something new that you can learn from everyone. Um, that might not be directly teaching methods. That might be something completely different, but we're speaking about teaching. And so I've just tried to expose myself to as many different things as possible. And from there, it's kind of trying to combine the best of what I find from all worlds. Um, I suppose uh, to quote Bruce Lee here, take which that works from any place that you find it Mm. and yeah, and use it. Mm. So if I find something that I did from someone's workshop that I liked about conditioning, but I hated the rest of it, I will take that conditioning aspect and disregard the rest. And then I might hear, just one phrase, it might be one phrase that I paid a couple of hundred dollars to do a weekend with someone, but that one phrase was enough mm. for, to just be able to hold on to that and then spread that around. And that might be just what to do with the shoulders in one position. But it's, um, I try to get as much as I can from everyone and then try to filter out what I think is garbage and what I think is good and then re-spread the good. Mm. So the structure itself, it's trial and error. Um, so I, I teach a lot of people to handstand, like I mm. said before. Um, 80% of my income from, comes from teaching large-scale group hand balancing classes. So having that exposure to just literally hundreds of people, literally hundreds of mm. people, I, fi- I get to find and really try what this works, this doesn't. Ah, this is a good idea. Actually, this is fucking shit. We won't do that one ever again. Mm. Like, uh, let's walk away from that one. Yeah. So I suppose combined, yeah. Combining everything that I've grabbed from people and then being able to experiment with it on so many variables. Mm. So I, I, I teach people that are, yeah. Dog Millionaire, mm. 16, wants to be in the circus. Yeah. Um, Esther, 68 yeah. year old Swiss woman. I was so and then impressed. Everything. Yeah, just to give you a little bit of context here, Esther is, how old is she? 60? 68. Eight, and she started hand balancing about three years ago. Yeah. And yesterday in the group class, she won the endurance hold at the end which is a max hold where you just stay up at the wall face to wall as long as you can and the one who wants, uh, holds it the longest wins <laughs> she did what three minutes something she, she chose to come down after three minutes because everyone else yeah, had come down <laughs> crazy yeah that woman is amazing and louis so have you been training with louis from the beginning Louis came into me day one, couldn't sit on the floor and straddle, had never been upside down before. Unbelievable. Um, in fairness, I can't take 100% of the credit for him. He's the one that's done all the work. Like what, what 15, 16 year old do you know that doesn't go to a party because he's got straight arm to do tomorrow. He, he gets up, but he used to get up early before school to do his mobility work. Mm. So then he could have more time to do hand balancing after school. Like that, that's, that's him. I just write down on a piece of paper. Like. It does seem like you have kind of a mental role for him, though. I don't know if it's true, but... He's my boy. He's my boy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So did you go through the process together? So to say? Yeah, well, when he started, I was miles ahead of him. Mm. And then, yeah, as he trained, he just developed so quickly. Frightened. It's frightening how quickly he develops. And so, uh, yeah, he, he was following what I was doing. And then it got to the point that we were kind of like working off one another. You know, he, he's, he's as big a teacher to me as I am to him. Mm. Um, there was a time, I still remember it when we were both breaking 10 seconds on one arm and it was such a big thing. Like when the other one would get it, just be like, yes, man. Like, and then you'd feed off that energy, a little bit of friendly competition. But then that friendly competition, he kind of, the boy got away from me. You're like, shit. What does that and, do to your ego? Nah, it's not, nothing but happiness for him. Yeah. Nothing but pride whenever I see the boy handstand. Um, proud of him for being who he is and mm. uh, the, the, the sense of satisfaction that like I, I helped make this happen. But yeah, now it's at the point that he, he teaches me more than I teach him about hand balancing. I'm, I still do his strength and conditioning, uh, programming and a bit of his rehab. Um, but I, I, he's more of a teacher to me now. Hmm, interesting. Which it's a really good, really nice relationship that we have. Cool. Um, I want to get a little bit more technical with you because uh, this, like this is what I'm better at. This is what I'm better at. This is what I'm. <laughs> I've noticed in. that this is one of your strengths. Actually, I was really impressed. I didn't expect it. Um, what you saying? <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm just talking, yeah. for example, about the tuck you yeah. did, and you just gave me a small cue, and it just feels so much different, mm -hmm. and I got so much deeper. Um, anyway, I want to ask you what you would recommend to somebody at different stages. So if you're a very beginner, never been upside down, mm -hmm. what would you focus on? If you're about to learn a press, what would you focus on? If you're about to learn a one arm handstand, what would you focus on? Okay, so this is an interesting question as far as I can't give you really a black and white answer because the way that I've always taught is everyone's different. You yeah. and me, structurally, we are very different people. Mm. But then the way most people teach is this black and white context of every handstand should look like this. Yeah. But with our center of gravity sits in a completely different location. Our shoulders are a different broadness. Our arm lengths are so different. Our hand sizes are so different. So the matter is of finding what works best for the individual, for what com what attributes they have to complement their practice the mm -hmm. best. Um, I suppose to directly answer the question, in the beginning stages, getting comfortable upside down in a chest to wall hold. Mm. If you can't do a minute up against the wall, conditioning is the first part. Because if, you, if you're upside down and you're trying to learn to balance, but you're struggling with balance and conditioning, there is not a chance. You're just going to get closer and closer and closer to the ground. Mm. You need to eliminate, completely eliminate conditioning as an element so you can focus on the balance. Mm. Um, Would you uh, focus on form? In that case, for, or is it just about? For, for me, I'm not a gymnast, I'm not a circus artist, I don't give a fuck about form. Provided there's no back pain. Like, you know, if you're banana, that there's back pain. But like, for the, this is talking about the bare beginners. If you teach someone, or if you have a student, or it's the person themselves, if they're just getting three to five seconds, just, mm -hmm. and they're in a little bit of an oblong shape, embrace that. That's the comfortable position for them because they're gonna develop more in that shape quicker than they are if you walk over and start poking at them and putting them in this straight line just because someone told you you had to have a straight line once mm. upon a time. Mm. Now, one thing that a lot of people don't realize is, um, I don't know if you'll be in camera, but do, do you wanna stand up for us? Yeah, sure. Just here? 
Yeah, or stand on the bed? Okay. After you get. Now stand on one foot. Watch the foot you're balancing on. Yeah. The ankle. What is that? <laughs> I don't know, it's clocking. <laughs> That's not your ankle, is it? It is. <laughs> Alright, you stop that now, yeah? Yeah, it's a sign that I haven't been using my legs yeah. at all. <laughs> so what your foot was doing then was making involuntary movements that you weren't having to think about. Mm. You said your ankle was moving. This is right. But one thing I didn't say to you was, was think about it. Yeah. You just brought a foot away and you started balancing. Yeah. You, you weren't thinking, wait in the big toe, wait in the heel, wait in the pinky, wait in the big toe, big toe, big toe, heel, pinky. Yeah. You just knew, your body knew what to do to balance. Now, one thing you didn't just do was start flailing like yeah. this. This is how beginners and a lot of, well, lots of beginners try to learn to handstand. They're trying to flail, which is using mm. the upper body to influence the lower body, yeah? So the equation of balance, like boiled down into the most simple physics equation, is center of gravity above supporting base. Mm. Without this, balance cannot exist, yeah. yeah? So if I'm flailing to keep my balance, what I'm doing is using my upper part or the above the center of gravity to influence the lower body to keep mm. the center of gravity above and keep balanced. Now, this is not an efficient way to balance. One, it looks fucking ridiculous. Two, it's unpredictable because yeah. every movement that you do requires a counter movement on top of that. And you have to 10 exit because, yeah. yeah. It's, it's, it's just this continuous pattern almost. Also, uh, because um, you said it yesterday, I never really thought about that. Uh, your hips and your legs are way heavier yes. than your shoulders. Besides so when you're standing, heavier. you have to 10x this movement when you're standing on your mm -hmm. legs and uh, hands and moving your lower body. Yes. It also uses a shitload of energy. Hmm. If I ask you, besides your weird clicking ankle, <laughs> if I ask you to just stand there on one foot, you could do minutes at a time. If you, uh -huh. if you, and if you really wanted to push, probably into the tens of minutes if you have that mental strength of I just need to stay there. If I put fire under your other foot, you'd stay there for 10 minutes. Probably, yeah. But if I ask you to flail, 15 seconds, I reckon. 20 yeah. seconds max, because it's so unpredictable. Now, the reason that a lot of people do this equivalent on their, when they're learning to handstand is because neurologically, this is where the balance happens. Their, their butt, their quads, their ankles, their, this is what your brain associates with balance. So this is why this is flailing, trying to achieve balance. Right. But it's a ridiculous way of balancing. So this is why we, we need to teach people to balance with their hands, to act like the foot. Yeah. Now this is a simple process, but it can be a very, very long process. Um, the time depends on the individual, what they've done in the past, how familiar they are with being upside down and about 20 other thousand things. Mm. But the thing about teaching a beginner to handstand is, and why I'm not so strict about form, because you're drawing attention away from teaching them how to articulate balance with their hands and use their hand like a foot yeah. to make micro adjustments at the base to keep you balanced. Yeah, yeah, that makes total sense. Cool. And it backs up my tutorials. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> um, oh, what, one other thing that I, I, I want to go through as well. All right. Um, again, this is a bit more beginner orientated. Actually, no, this isn't beginner. This is everyone orientated, but the more experienced you can, you become, the more you can get away without having to do it so strictly. Mm -hmm. But form specifically that I'm not too fussed about, mm -hmm. you still need a level of tension in the body. Yeah. So if, 
if your form isn't great, if you've got closed shoulders and tight hips, so you're in this kind of like that that kind of not quite just strict banana shape, but that kind of S bend banana mm -hmm. shape, you can still learn to balance there. I, I, I can show you probably three students of mine that have over a minute in that position, quite confidently mm -hmm. kick up and hold a minute. Um, well, yeah, people used to do one arm banana hands. Yes. Like Paul and Nitti. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my one arm's pretty banana. <laughs> I wouldn't say. Watch it from the side, you'll change your mind. Yeah. <laughs> but um, you, you can still learn to balance fine, but the idea of tension in the body needs to stay there. Because again, going back to the center of gravity above the supporting base, uh -huh. if you're one piece, you're having to make less adjustments. If you're this big wobbly thing, mm. it's the same as balancing with the upper body. Yeah. You're having to make all these extra corrections, and every correction that you do is a possibility of you falling and also hacks at your uh, at hacks at your endurance. Mm. Like a substantial chunk comes out of it every correction. Yeah. While if yeah. you're still, even in a shit shape, you're not using too much energy. Yeah. Um, this is my personal opinion on it. Um, I, I don't think that I am 100% right and that all are wrong besides me and you should listen to that. This is the way I've had the most success with my students, mm. to find a position that complements their levers the best and then drill it in how to balance from there. And once balance is obtained, because that's the hard bit about teaching handstands, teaching someone to articulate how to balance with their hands. Once someone learns that, then you can worry about shape because you've made it what is structurally insecure quite secure. If someone can do 30 seconds in their like happy place, you can make them do 15 seconds in a nicer spot because you're not uh, it's not too much of a shock to the system. But if they're struggling to do 10 seconds, like just barely getting 10 seconds, their structure is so fragile that if you walk up to them and even give them a, they will bang yeah. straight down. So you don't want to make things too complex from the get go. You want it as simple and as complementary as possible to teach the hard bit, and then you can polish it up from there. Um, there will always be exceptions to the rule, uh, but that's generally what I personally do with people. Mm. Um, as far as where they are with pressing. So what you would so there's three people right now that are close to pressing uh, off the top of my head if I'm including you in this. Mm. What you three need to do is completely different to one another, mm. like completely different. And again, it's going down to what is personal strengths and weaknesses and mm. whatnot. Um, your compression is great, mm. but your scapula isn't strong enough. Yeah, drill that fucking scapula, yeah. like while. Uh, one of the, uh, you might have met him yesterday, um, one of the guys that comes in, his scapula's strong, the man has a, like an all right straddle plunge. Oh, the one who was trying to do the bike press? Oh, let, yeah, oh he's already got the press, but um, yeah, yeah, well, if we, we just use him as an example, um, he's, bit, he's not very bendy, but he's fucking strong. Mm. So he needs a completely different process to link these dots together. Mm. Again, it kind of, brings back to that key principle of finding what complements the person mm. the best. Um, in saying that, like you, you're, you've got good compression, so we want to complement that. We don't just go against and drill purely the scapula, but we want to get you in a pressing sense that you can use your compression, mm. but then build the scapula around that. And then from there, then, then once once it's locked in, then, then you can worry about working on pike and stuff like that and building more of a range. Mm -hmm. But um, for me, it's always the quickest point from A to B. Mm. 
-hmm. and whatever makes it quickest, this is the best way. Yeah. One, you'll get more enjoyment out of it. And that, that, that's number one. If you enjoy doing it, you're going to put in extra work to it. You're going to develop more. Yeah. If we're doing shit that you hate constantly and stuff that you it, it challenges you to the point of discouraging you, yeah. you're not going to do it as much. You're not going to have your heart in it and it, it's going to take a longer time. Yeah. Um, if that sacrifices a bit of form because it doesn't look like the way that my favorite Instagram celebrity does it, um, fuck it. Like, who, yeah. who cares? Like, get the skill, polish it up. Yeah. That, uh, that's actually something. Remember, I think it was in May or something like that, June, where I, um, I think you commented on my story on Instagram. And uh, I was struggling with the press. Plunge. <laughs> and you told me to just fuck the form and just go for it. Just like according to my feeling where I should go. And I let myself go and I had such a major breakthrough. It's, it's, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. If you're trying to do this perfect press from day one, it's given an analogy, like analogies. So like, um, I, I bet for some reason I chose baseball. I've never played baseball in my life, but I've chosen that. So if we're thinking about baseball and I, I'm an expert in baseball now and you want to learn how to hit the ball, yeah? So how, how do we learn? It's not six months of you just swinging the bat and trying to get the form perfect. We, I give you the general, this, this is how you hit the ball. You want to leave this and you want to throw this at it and you want to do this. But then what do we do? I throw the ball to you and you start trying, you start trying. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And you, you learn from a bit of trial and error that way. While if it's done the other way, which is, you know, you're looking for a perfection from the get go, you're not going to develop anywhere near as quick. because so you're going to spend the next three years just holding this bat and swinging into air. And then finally someone's going to throw the variable of you, which is the ball. And you're going to go, what the fuck is that, man? Like, and, and yeah. it's not going to be perfect. You're then going to have to go through that process anyway. Yeah. yeah. Good analogy. I like it. Yeah. Baseball. Right? <laughs> <laughs> okay, cool. And what if someone's learning a one-arm handstand? Would you be more OCD about form then? So this, yes and no. So the more technical the skill becomes, the more parameters need to be in order. Hmm. So what I mean by that is on a simpler skill, like you, you need some things. Like I, I'm not saying in learning to arm, I'm not saying disregard everything that most people say. But like one of the universal rules is Straight arm's probably better than a bent arm. Mm. Scapula should be more elevated than depressed. These, these are things, the parameters that need to be in place. At least you need to resist your body. Yes, exactly, you exactly. Mm -hmm. The more technical the skill becomes, the more of these parameters need to be in order before there's that kind of freedom of this person needs this particularly. And a one-arm is such a technical skill. There are so many little bits and pieces going on mm. that there needs to be quite a bit of this needs this here, this needs this here. And that's not because it needs to look this way, it's because mechanics and physics says, yes, this needs to be here. Yeah. yeah. Um, as far as people learning it, it's the best thing that I can say is just spend time on one hand and as minimal fingers as possible. Mm. Um, similar to the two arm, build the endurance before anything. I see so many people on Instagram, thousands, literally thousands, They can do five seconds here, so they expect to do five seconds here. Mm. 
that they, they you see them pop up and they go to it for fucking glory and they fall 100 percent of the time mm. and they'll forever fall I, i'm guilty of doing that for about a year as well i i, I know the itch you mm. you feel like you're close but you're actually further than ever like mm. um one of the things that um made the biggest difference for me is just yeah the raw conditioning before I could take a hand away confidently, like yeah, I could float here and there, five, 10 seconds sometimes, but before I could actually go, here you go, there's a one arm, have a look. I was doing, it was 17 rounds in total, because it was pedal mobility work, 17 rounds of 30 seconds, one hand, one finger. And when I say one finger, I mean one, one finger. I don't mean one finger, I mean, one finger 30 seconds 30 seconds wow. 17 rounds wow. which is excessive yeah, but it is. now now that that was that was a year and a half ago now i've never had a problem with uh, i've fallen out because i've ran out of endurance mm-hmm. it's just balance mm-hmm. because i've built that base strong enough that i don't need to worry about that as an element mm-hmm. it's just purely been able to concentrate on the balance itself would you set specific parameters for people to know if they're good enough to move along yeah i've, I've got several of those especially for my online people that i don't get as much face time with mm. uh once they send me x video i will then put them into the next category of yes you are ready for this one now and what would those parameters be it it depends on the skill but that's a very big question there <laughs> Okay, let's say, for example, if I want to learn a one-arm handstand, mm-hmm. you've seen my endurance hold. Yeah. Shit. Like, yeah, I, I would... I, sorry, go on. So, again, context. My endurance hold is between one minute and my max is probably at 120 something uh, at the wall. And I can press one in three, maybe with very ugly form and bent elbows. So my shoulders are not strong enough. Yeah. Would you recommend me to work on modern stuff? No. I, I would let. I would encourage you to play with it here and there. But as far as following like a ABC approach of trying to build things, the one arm, mm. not yet. So what would I work on then? Pressing. Press like a straddle press. If you if you want a one arm, one arm, and when I say one arm, I mean not just be able to take a photo of it here and there, but I mean like be able to pop it away, have yeah, (laughs) take it away, have a chat, maybe move some of your limbs about Mm. a one arm, one arm. Uh, A press should just be another entry to handstand. Mm. Uh, A straddle press or even a pike press for that matter, it should just be like kicking up. Yes, it's just the same. Um, that would demonstrate to me a level of strength and understanding of first the level of strength that you just have running through here as a whole that you can just and lift your body weight. Second, the understanding of how your center of gravity sits above your hands to make it as efficient as possible. Because mm-hmm. if you're pressing efficiently, you are doing what mechanics um, complement you the most. And if you're doing the mechanics that complement you the most, you have a good understanding and a good level of proprioception, which mm-hmm. is your understanding of where your body exists in space and time. Mm-hmm. Um, so that, that would be one of the checks, um, a good tuck, like a, a good, good mm-hmm. tuck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Mikhail talks a lot about tucking and he, he's, who, yeah, he's who I've learned a lot of that about. And Mikhail was one of my, later teachers for a while um 
and he really taught me about the importance of traps in handstands. And I haven't heard many people talk about traps in hand balancing the way he does. Mm. And for me personally, that was the biggest game changer in my later stages of learning hand balancing. Mm. So your balance is made up of three key components. Well, there's a few, quite a number of components, but let's just say the, the main three are inner ear, mm -hmm. yeah, the, the, the vestibular yeah, system, the appropriate reception, and your visual, mm -hmm. yeah? The second the head goes in, we've lost one of those being the visual. Mm -hmm. We've also fucked up the other two because we've moved the head, yeah? Mm -hmm. So the, the inner ear is going, what the fuck? We've completely, the, the level, the fluids in the ears have completely changed because of the moving mm -hmm. of the head position. And the proprioception is being thrown because you've moved one of your main centers of mass. Yeah. So by moving those things around, you're uh, you're challenging so many different parts, as well as as well as isolating and forcing the parts to work in a handstand that don't necessarily need to work, but should be working if you're wanting to acquire higher skills. Yeah, because you automatically turn off the front chain, basically, uh -huh. right? Yeah. Because you can get people, and you can get people to even a, a average one arm. You can get people to a couple of stalled presses. You know, they're technically using their traps, but they're not using them. But yeah, the, it's it's such a big area that's not being utilized properly. Mm -hmm. And with working with Mikhail for a while, he really showed me how to use them. And this is for me has been one of the biggest game changers and one of the things that I've now spread around to people like and tuck handstanding, especially head in tuck. Um, that just shows how much the traps actually work mm. and isolates them and builds them very well. Mm. So head in tuck is a must. Makes a lot of sense. It does. <laughs> yeah. So um, I'm wondering because uh, you said beginners, you wouldn't really care about form or in general, but that it's acquired the more specific you get. So. Um, would you handle somebody who has a big goal of a one-arm handstand differently than someone who just says, ah, I just want to learn a two-arm handstand and just like play around with it? Good, good question. It depends where they're going with it. So let's say one of the guys you met the other night, um, the, the one I call Vin Diesel. Yeah. The, the big Irish fellow. Yeah. Yeah, so um, he, he's a mechanic. He, he wants to see how far he can go with this. But okay. he's a mechanic. Does he really give a fuck if he's got a slightly one bent leg in a pipe press? Yeah. Mm, he, he, not, he doesn't care. Yeah. doesn't care. He, he would get more enjoyment again out of just being able to do extra skills. And provided that doing little things are detrimental towards the overall picture, yeah. If, if mm. it's quicker for him to learn with a little bit of a bent leg here and there, that's cool. If he, he's, he's proper strong as well. So he favors a little bend in his arms. As long as the bend doesn't go too much that he can't handle, it's going to get him there faster. Yeah. While if we so flip it and go with say Louis, who Thoughts talks about the circus. yeah, he talks about the circus. Then this shit matters. Yeah. Then then there's no little bend in the knee. Then there's then there's no like yeah. You know, uh, one of the main things I tell Louis off about these days, one of the few things I can tell him off about is when he takes his hand away from the floor. It's like this, not like this. Point yeah. those fingers. Hide the thumb. Hide the pinky finger. Like these things matter because this is where he wants to go with them. Mm. While you know, some, some of my uh, students, more long-term students, one of them is an engineer. 
One of them's a mechanic, one of them's a painter, mm. one of them's a lawyer, uh, one of them's a nurse. These are all people who have uh, passed the point of hand, just straight two arm handstand, working towards press. Some of them have presses, some of them are working towards one arms. Do those professions there matter when they walk into work in the morning going, fuck, I bent my knee on a press. Like it's, yeah. it, it's all for the person. They do it for fun. Yeah. Really. Um, and a lot of them, it's not just fun, it's also strength development. If we're looking at from an anatomy point of stand view, mm-hmm. and if the leg's not like this and like this, I'm still using the exact same muscles. Mm-hmm. It's just that the aesthetics have changed slightly and doesn't look as neat. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, if they're doing it for strength and conditioning, they're still getting all the benefits. Not one thing has changed. It just, uh, it didn't look that way that the, my favorite Instagram celebrity did it. It didn't look that way that I saw in the Cirque show the other week. Mm-hmm. Like, it's all a matter of what suits the individual, in my opinion. Yeah. It's one thing that I think mm-hmm. that uh, I miss about skateboarding culture as well. Style matters in skateboarding. Um, Ah, you mean like personal style? Yes. Mm-hmm. Bruce Lee says a beautiful quote about it. I wish I could remember it off the top of my head right now. But style is what makes individuals. Yeah. Uh, in skateboarding, like you, you, you would, you could show me a silhouette of a photo of someone, and I'd be like, "That's Penn doing a frontside flip, man." Nobody yeah. frontside flips like Penn. While in hand balancing, because it's run by a lot of the gymnastic world, a lot of the circus world, they all look the same. Things are supposed to look have these certain aesthetics. Yeah. Um, while instead of individuality being celebrated, it's the opposite. It's clones being celebrated. Yeah. Which for me, it's, it's, it's not for me that way. It's not for me. Yeah, I totally understand that. And also, I think you're right because I also feel like people are starting to get tired of pointed toes, and, and especially in contemporary circus. Yeah. What I'm talking about now. Not Instagram. Yeah. But... Yeah, and there's something to it because the body's more complex than just straight lines. Yeah, and if again we talk a bit more about beginners or something like that, if they're worrying about pointing their toes, you're drawing attention away from the fundamental bits that makes hand balancing hard. Um, I won't mention any names or any any places that teach this stuff, but there I've, I've heard of places where people will be doing a basic drill, uh, like a heel pull. That everyone should, if you research hand balancing, you should know what a heel pull is. Yeah. I've heard of their teacher coming back and pushing them against the wall because they, because they led a little bit with their hips and they, they curled one of their toes. Like that sounds Russian. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, do you have any goals or anything you're specifically working towards? I have a few ideas in mind, but. Um, I wouldn't say that I have too many actual, like, I need this. The the general, I would say, is I would like a one-arm press um, from Strat, Stratalel. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm sure Not off the floor, right? Not off the floor. <laughs> I can barely pancake, let alone do that off the floor, so. Has anybody done that? I th- think I've seen Brixo do it. Um, like, uh, quite a few of them can do it from the floor, but... I haven't seen too many people. So I started this stuff at 26 and I haven't seen too many people at that age go yeah. that far with it. So that's what, that's why I want to impress. Um, I, I want to see how far I can push it. Um, 
cool. other than that, yeah, just always move forwards, keep the ball rolling, always move forwards, doesn't matter what it is, in what yeah. direction. I still have that bit of a generalist ego approach in me, I, uh, even though handstanding, that might be what you see on my Instagram the most, might be what I celebrate the most, that's because that's where most of my income comes from, but it makes up only about, if probably 40% of my training. Oh, huh. and the rest is what? Everything else. I saw you do some rings on Instagram before. Yeah, I, I, I don't play the rings too much anymore. Um, as far as the rings go, I've reached a level that I'm, I'm satisfied with. I can maintain everything that I have on them. Um, am I perfect at them? Fuck no. Am I savvy at them? Why not? But everything that I have achieved, anything further past that, is monumental jumps. Mm. It's one of the problems with the rings. People can learn muscle-ups quite quickly provided they already have the requisite prerequisites of chin-ups and dips and shit like that. Mm. Muscle-ups is very achievable. Forward roll is very achievable. Shoulder stand is very achievable. Then there's a bit of a jump. We go to the straight body variations mm. and the backward rolls and the eccentric elevators. And the, the, that's quite a substantial jump. And then to go anything further than this, it's fucking somewhere over there. Mm. That's when it starts getting in towards the the bigger plant shapes and the Maltese's and the stuff that like I just I, I, I don't have enough life left in me for that. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe in another lifetime. Mm. I have one last question. Yes. Um, I'm wondering so you program your own training now, right? Currently, yes. Do you actually make a plan for yourself or do you just play around with it and how do you deal with making your own training? So I'd like to talk a little bit more about kind of a sister topic to that quickly. Mm. So depending on what level you are with hand balancing, if you're more beginner, you need a systematic approach mm -hmm. to develop. Otherwise it will take you forever to get there. When you get a bit more savvy towards handstanding and a little bit more stronger and you have more options, handstands becomes a lot more explorative. You're allowed to play with them more and you'll continue to develop with playing with them. But if you start that stage too early, you won't be able to get too far with them. So, mm. Ooh, love that. <laughs> so true. there's lots of people that start playing too early when they, <laughs> <laughs> and this hinders the development quite substantially. Yeah. There needs to be, again, these parameters in order, these kind of checklists before you can really start having this, this toy to play with. Yeah. Um, where I am currently with one arms, I'm kind of in a more of an explorative phase. This will change the day that I actually go, like put my hand down on the floor and go, I need that one arm press or I want a figure or I want some ridiculous fucking flag or what. This has to change. Yeah. You can't oh, play my way into the figure. Like that was fun. Like it's Okay, so if I get it right, what you're saying is uh, to acquire a skill, you need a systematic approach. And once Only specific skills. So there are some things, like uh, if you've got a good straddle one arm, for instance, you pro probably just can play and get away with learning to diamond. Yeah. Maybe even learn to open up and down. You can and probably start moving. Yeah, down. you can probably start developing it towards half straddle. There's all these little variants of that that you can start playing with that. But when you want to structurally change the shape in such a dramatic way and go from a straddle to, say, a tuck, mm. that's when training needs to come back in. Yeah. So Because 
the, the centres have changed so much, the positioning has changed so much that there needs to be this kind of drilling in order to progress. Yeah. Um, there will be the occasional genetic athletic freak that doesn't need to do so much of this and can play their way to everything. But don't... Really? Yeah. <laughs> don't, don't rely on being one of these one in a thousand people. Like. You just crushed my world, man. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I, right now, not really strict programming for myself, for hand balancing, for other things, yes, very strict, but for hand balancing, I'm playing a little bit more. Mm. But if you ask me that in two months, I could be saying, no, I am militant and I'm following this and everything mm. outside of this is not worth my time. So right now, fun and games. Mm. That was nice. <laughs> Thank you so much for being on the show. Pleasure. I admire you. You're a great hand balance coach. Thank you very much. And I will enjoy some more of your lessons this week. Excellent. <laughs> Thank you so much for watching. If you have any more questions, just uh, write into the comments. And also I'll put any relevant links down below as always. And other than that, just keep it playful. The world is your playground. So just go ahead and do whatever you love. And I'll see you next Monday on the Sound Gear Channel.